Let's go ahead and go to John chapter 18 this morning. And let's take a moment to pray. Father, thanks so much for this time and opportunity we have to be together now to study your word. Thank you for life imparted to us that we may bring this life to others. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's continue with our series this morning uh, that we've been on for a number of weeks called True or False. And uh, in verse 36 of John 18, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And that's been our subject, defining and describing and and helping everyone to have the know-how of how to get to the bottom of things, how to understand what's right and wrong, what's true and false. And if Jesus said that I came for this purpose to bear witness to truth, then we as his followers, right, we as his people should also be carrying out that same mission the Lord just does it a different way today now he does it through us he, he brings truth out and uh, we uh, bears witness to truth through the church in fact look at first Timothy chapter 3 where we'll see this over here as well first Timothy chapter 3 and, and notice with me in verse 15 first Timothy 3 15 says uh, Paul writes here but if I am delayed I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And so how does the Lord continue to bear witness to truth? Well, He does it through the church. All right. He established the church, His church, and we are, of course, part of the church. We are one of many, many local churches. And what's our job? What's one of our responsibilities? It is to bear witness to the truth. All right. I can't bear witness to truth if I don't know the truth. I've got to be really clear in my mind where I can acknowledge what things are right and what things are wrong, what things I should be involved with, what things I should avoid. Is there anything we should avoid in this world? Man, I tell you what, there's a whole lot of dangerous activity, lots of pitfalls, potholes, and all kinds of hiccups in life. And we, if we know the truth can simply avoid them. You know, we don't have to go through everything. (laughs) Amen. I know that the Lord in this 23rd Psalm said that he would, the good shepherd, you know, he would lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And, 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 you know, obviously a point there is we're going through. We're not living there. But I tell you what, there's, there are many things in life you can simply avoid altogether. When I say things, I mean negative stuff. You don't have to go through every negative thing. I'm not saying that the Lord promised us flowery beds of ease and we'll never have a, have a test or a trial through life. He didn't say that. He said you'll have tribulation in the world. But I tell you what, a lot of people are multiplying tribulation upon tribulation simply through ignorance. All right, We can be instructed and taught to a degree and in such a way where so many things that others uh, face, we simply avoid them altogether. 
And there is much in life that the Lord will save us from, amen, and not just save us through. There's a lot of things we can avoid, and you know this, I've, and I know this well, I've experienced some heartache and some different things in life simply because I was dumb. You know what I mean by that? I mean, I just should have made a different decision. I made the wrong decision, and I reaped the results of my own ignorance and my own uh, disobedience. And, and how many know I shouldn't go through that and say, well, the Lord's just leading me in this, and He's just, you know, He's, I'm just, he's just leading me through this. And, well, no, He didn't even want me to be in that. I was there because of me. I absolutely was. And I understand that sometimes there's attacks from the enemy, and it wasn't because our are doing and we didn't ask for it or or deserve it per se uh it, it came it came our way but even some of those how many understand the lord shows us sometimes things to come what are those sometimes those are attacks those are troubles that lie before us and if we learn to listen to him and know truth we'll just steer right around that stuff and just just not even ever have a difficulty with it and uh you know i you know, sometimes the reason people struggle so so much and have a difficult time overcoming is they get beat down. I mean, because it's problem after problem after problem after struggle after difficulty. And after a while, man, you got to, I just feel for them. I think, sheesh, I mean, you're an overcomer in the Lord, but you got a lot of stuff to deal with. I know this, the Lord will never allow us to go through more than we're able to overcome. And so I just got to wonder, you know, not judging anyone's specific circumstance, but I just got to wonder if I'm just being hit, 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 struggle after struggle after struggle after battle after battle after battle, I wonder if some of them were (laughs) self-inflicted. You know, I I really believe this. I probably could have avoided some of those. I'm not saying that, again, that I can just never have any kind of obstacle in life, but I think a lot of them I can if I will do what's right follow the leading of the spirit in my life act on what i know there's a lot of stuff i'm just not going to have to deal with amen praise the lord and so again the lord wants to lead us in relationship to truth because we are the standard bearers of truth and let's go back to this verse here again it says that that we are uh the church of the living god the pillar and ground of truth what's a pillar do I mean, understand a pillar supports. A pillar will hold up, and uh, and and he says we are we are the ground. The church is the ground of truth. Another translation says the that it is the foundation of truth. And so we are here in the earth today to be a support and a foundation for truth to rest upon. If the church is not doing its job, and that's the church is not a building, the church is not an organization per se. The church is you and me right? The church, is, uh, the church is the gathering of the saints together. If we are not taking up the place that God has called us to take up and taking up our responsibility, then truth is not going to stand in the earth, all right? It's not going to be, uh, uh, it's not going to be known in the earth. True, what's true is true whether you believe it or not, whether I receive it or not. It's still true. What's true is true. What's false is false. False. God is God. He always will be. He'll always be true. He'll always be right, whether or not we receive it or not. But the, the issue is what's happening in the earth, what's happening in our lives, what's happening in our city, okay? If truth is going to prevail, it's got to have some beams, <laughs> got to have some pillars, got to have some foundation to stand on, and that's where we come in. We have got to be 
filled with and take the place of holding up truth in the earth today. Now understand this, if believers are called to be pillars, if the church is called to do this, then we're capable of doing it. The Lord has never asked you to do anything that you weren't capable of doing. Amen. The Lord never asked you to do something that really makes you miserable. Now, it might, might be uncomfortable for a, a season. I'm not saying he won't ever challenge you in that regard. But the, never, the Lord doesn't ask people to do something and then, you know, basically the end result is your life is a wreck. No. And don't say at the end of that, well, I just wonder what God's doing. You know, a person came to me years ago and said, I got this problem, I got this problem, I got this problem. I'm just trying to figure out what God's doing. Can you say nothing? (laughs) Can you see that that's the absence of God, not the presence of God? I'm not saying that the Lord left him, but that's not a result of God being there. That's a result of something's wrong, something's broken, something's missing. That's not who we serve. Amen. God wasn't doing something in his life per se, but I tell you what the Lord, if he really wanted to know, the Lord was doing, he was endeavoring to teach him and to show him and lead him out of that stuff. You know what I'm talking about? He wanted to get him victory over that. But but again, we don't want to just throw that back on the Lord. Some of this I wasn't planning on saying in this service, but uh, I hope it's helping some people here. Um, amen. But let's look over at 2 Timothy chapter 4. So we're both capable and responsible to test and judge spirits, doctrines, and leaders. And uh, we want to bring to your your remembrance the things that we shared to you last week just for a moment. Remember, we talked about judging, right? Are believers to judge? And, of course, the answer to that question is yes, and the answer to that question is no. It all depends on what you're talking about and what the context of that statement uh, uh, is made in. And so are we to be discerning people that recognize truth from error? absolutely essential we must be wise we must be knowledgeable of god and his ways so that we can accurately discern and judge right from wrong you should be in judging mode today in church all right not critical mode not negative pathetic you know complaining no no but judging mode i want to know what's true because if it is i'm going to hold on to it I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to live by it. And if it's false, I'm not going to. I'm going to walk away from that. Right? right? That's the position we hold. That's a mature believer will do that. An immature. Remember, I know I'm repeating myself from last time. But an immature person will either not even listen to something new if it goes contrary to their thinking. I, I, that's, I don't agree with that. That's immature. They'll also the other end of the immature scale. They just accept everything without thinking about it. The mature person will examine. The mature person will give careful thought and prayer and study to find out what's right so they can walk in it. Okay, here we go. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he said, preach the word. What what should we preach? The word. What does that mean, the word? You mean like word. (laughs) Well, that's simply short for the word of God. All right. We could say the Bible. Jesus said to the Father, your word is truth. And so we're to preach the Word of God, not just to, not here just to preach on current events, not here just to preach on a uh, latest Reader's Digest or, or what, you know, it's, I don't mean we can't comment on current events in light of the Scripture, that's fine and that's right, but uh, we need to be focusing on the, the Word of God, all right? If, if sermons that are taught in any given church are not filled with Bible verses, I have a problem with that. I really do. Uh, not to say there should be any certain number of them, but 
what are we what are we talking about? Are we just philosophizing? <laughs> uh, are, are we just coming up with you know good ideas, or are we preaching truth? Because something might be might sound good, might be funny, might be a good story, might even be comforting, but it doesn't set people free unless it's true. Okay, and uh, so he said, preach the word. He said, be ready in season and out of season. What do you mean in season? That means when you feel like it and when you don't, right? That's like go to church whether you feel like it or you don't. Well, I'm not really up for that today. I'm kind of tired. So not about that. Amen. That's how a two-year-old thinks. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I don't want to eat that food. Well, so (laughs) I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, clean this up or do this chore well it's not about whether you want to how many figured out that unless you learn that by the time you're an adult um you got some issues as an adult you know adults that can't make it to work on time why i was tired well so (laughs) huh i mean we recognize you're not going to get very far in life if you let your feelings dominate you if it's well it's out of season for me right now (laughs) well you're not a tomato (laughs) Uh, but if it, if out of season for you, you know, fine. You're, we're to be ready in season and out of season. When we feel like doing it, when we don't feel like doing it, we live by principles. We live by standards. We, we live by decisions, okay? He said, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers... And will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Okay, and so this is one of the things that he was warning Timothy about. But a lot of these things are said in relationship to our day, especially the last days. He said the time is coming. People are not going to want to listen to sound doctrine. I mean, that's, that sounds... That sounds amazing. You mean good, quality, sound, wholesome, godly doctrine? People won't receive that? Yeah. Yeah, they just want their ears tickled. They just want to hear something new. They just want to hear something that they like. How many understand that sometimes in order to be healthy, you have to have something you don't like? Right? And sometimes when it comes to our spiritual lives, it's important that we not just gravitate towards our favorite verses or towards our favorite sayings, but we get whatever's on the plate. Amen. And I'm the chef here today. And so if I say something that you don't like, don't immediately spit it out. Right? If you, if you determine it's not true and it's not biblical, do spit it out. All right? That's being a good judge. But, but listen, we, sometimes it's good for someone else to make your meal. All right? Because if we make our own meal, we choose whatever we want. I'm going to read these verses. I'm going to listen to this program on TV. I'm going to listen to this CD series or read this book to get my spiritual nourishment. Fine, that you can benefit that way, but sometimes someone else needs to prepare your meal. All right? And you come and you don't know what's going to be said, and you, it's very risky, all right, because they might say something cross-grained to the way you think and the way that you're going. But again, that's necessary. You understand that uh, if we're really going to grow in the things of God, we must from time to time hear things that are different from the way we're thinking, from the way we're living. Uh, if, if I just surround myself with, uh, you know, I just want to go where, you know, I agree with everything. Really? I'd, I'd prefer actually to be challenged on some things. Hmm? 
doesn't mean I'm automatically going to accept everything, but if, if I'm never given thoughts that are new or contrary to the way I think, I don't have an opportunity to grow. I just remain the same. And that's why so many people remain immature for many, many years. Year after year after year, they remain immature because they're never challenged. They hear something new. They don't want, they don't want to receive it. They gravitate towards what they know and what makes them feel comfortable. And, and don't get me wrong. We should be comfortable in, in the presence of God. But there are times when definitely we should be disrupted. Definitely times when we should have our, our comfort zones challenged. If we don't, again, we're not growing. We're not increasing in the things of God, and we should seek that out, and we should really desire this. Uh, but again, the, in, in this particular scripture here, we can see that people are casting their ears away from the truth. They're casting their ears away from the truth, and they turn to fables. It's amazing how people eventually believe some crazy things. But we're all vulnerable in this regard. If we don't keep truth before our eyes, we can end up believing all kinds of falsehoods. And uh, he seems to be describing a time when even preachers will minister for the applause of people instead of the approval of God. And, and that's a dangerous thing. They, they desire to hear pleasant things said about them. But, you know, the Living Bible translates it this way. And it says, people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear just what they want to hear and uh, uh, many in our day in, in my experience of, of being around churches and being around believers and uh, it, it seems that many are in our day who move from maybe city to city or you know they're looking for a, I'm talking about Christians now uh, not those in the world who are coming to church who really don't have a, a basis for, for making this kind of judgment but many times believers will be looking for a church and thinking about their family and they make their judgments solely based on external things and, and sometimes their, you know, their basis for deciding where to go to church might just be how, how the music sounds, might be a certain program that they have or uh, vicinity to their home. Or, you know, and I'm not saying those things should be written off and, and not considered at all. Um, uh, but I am saying what I see as a lack many times is people really seeking out what the sound doctrine is of a particular uh, church. All right, because that's that really should be on the top of the list. Not to not to take anything away from natural stuff that uh, that can help to be a blessing and minister to our families and so forth. But we need to have sound doctrine as the top dog in this in this thing. Because many times today, people can uh, and organizations and churches can have a lot of great programs, can have great buildings and 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 great music and stuff. But if they're not really giving you a quality level of truth, it's not going to produce freedom in your life. You're not really going to grow closer to the, uh, in your walk with the Lord. It's not going to help you in, in life. You'll just have a good place to go, church, to, go to church. And, and I've seen this, and sometimes it, you know, I don't know, I, it spins my head a little bit because I'm always thinking about our, our staff. We always talk about people. You know, that's our business is people. We want to be in the heads of people. What are people thinking about this? How can we best minister to them? What about people in our community? What's their mindset? How can we effectively get the gospel of, G of Jesus Christ to them? And so we're always having this discussion. And I know, uh, I know some ministers, some uh, people who have churches, uh, not necessarily in our city, and, but here too as well, but other, other places that are just really tearing it up in, in, in a good way as far as expanding and growing quickly. And, and people are getting saved. I mean, just really good stuff going on. And uh, what, I don't know, I just find it interesting because I was around someone recently 
and this person is really doing a great job reaching people, and I could tell has a real passion and a real heart. But but when listening to him talk and and in a situation where he was praying, I thought, man, this guy just doesn't know the word. There's just such a a shallow depth of truth in his life, but yet he's still the real deal. I mean, he loves God. I don't want to take anything away from him, but I just think it's dangerous because he can't give what he doesn't have. He can't teach what he doesn't know, and he'll bring people into the family, which is the most important thing, no doubt, but then people won't be able to really grow sufficiently. And I see both as, as, as very important. We need the people to be saved. We need to fill the kingdom up, kingdom of God up. But then we've got to be able to train people in righteousness and truth. And if we don't know it, we're not grounded and established in truth. It's hard to carry that uh, to the next generation and, and, and bring uh, people up in the things of God. And so, uh, you know, people become subject to demonic attack when they don't know truth. Now, Second Timothy chapter 1. All right. Timothy and Timothy. These guys, is the, this is a couple of neat guys here. <laughs> Actually, the same guy, Timothy. Two letters written to Timothy. They're not brothers, you know, like their dad was not George Foreman. <laughs> Named all his kids George. Second uh, <laughs> uh, Timothy chapter 1, and notice verse 13. He said, hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Notice the language again. He said, hold fast to sound words. We're talking about sound words, sound doctrine. That, that can simply be described as, as the Word of God. It is, is the, it is the truths of the Word of God. But he said, you've you got to hold fast to this. Why, why tell someone to hold fast? Well, because there's a potential that the truths of God's Word, sound doctrine could slip away and people could go off on wrong tangents. And we must make sure that we give attention to receiving sound words. You can see this in our culture today. You can see it by popular music. And I'm talking within church culture now, which in, within Christian culture, uh, there are so many great musicians and wonderful singers, but oftentimes you'll, you can turn on the Christian radio and listen to songs, and if you really analyze the words, you realize that person doesn't know the, doesn't know the Word of God. They have very little knowledge. Their music sounds great. They probably may, maybe have a good heart for God. I don't want to really be in a position. I'm not judging that, but, but I want to judge the content of the message. And if you'll find it, you'll find sometimes people like to do that. You'll find yourself singing, singing in a car, singing down the road, and you catch yourself, well, I don't believe that. <laughs> and you're singing, woo, and you're just letting it rip, and, and uh, people all over are watching you. And, and, uh, and then you realize, I'm singing something that's totally contrary to the Bible. And that person might have meant well, but they just didn't have a good foundation of truth themselves. We have to judge that constantly in church when we look at new music intended for worship, intended for singing. There's just a whole lot of Christian music out there that is, is not uh, truthful. You know, all these naked and wretched and blind songs, and you know what I'm talking about? Woe is me, and, and it's all just kind of a negative picture of the believer in his life, and a lot of it stems from just an Old Testament mindset, a pre-Christ mindset, and we've got to keep those things out of our songs, out of our thinking, out of everything we can, and, and not just not be meditating on that when it's not helping. Look at 1 Timothy 6. I'm trying to get to the main part of my message here, <laughs> uh, and we will in a second. First uh, Timothy chapter six and verse three, just a lot of things that Paul wrote to Timothy about this subject. He said, "If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, 
even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's one place you're going to get wholesome words, isn't it? From Jesus. And to the doctrine which, which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. And so we, we can see there's a lot of adjectives there and, and things you can, you can get into and understand, but uh, there, there are certain things that we should absolutely avoid and sometimes even people that we should avoid that are proclaiming and teaching at certain things. Someone gave me this book and I, they just think it's, it's the greatest thing. Well, you judge for yourself. All right, because if it's not full of wholesome words, if it's not full of uh, full of godliness, you, you shouldn't just to appease that person spend your time meditating in it. All right, it's going to mess with your thinking. We're told to avoid certain things, and this is one of the, one of those areas. Uh, again, we should stay away from unwholesome words. And so, I want to give you uh, right now, if you're, those of you taking notes, you give you something to write down here: guidelines for discerning truth. All right, and I want to give you ten. Okay, 10 guidelines for discerning truth. These are just simple questions that you can ask if you're wondering, I wonder if this is right. I wonder if this is true. There's something that doesn't seem good about this. And I'm not just saying be led by the Spirit. That's the answer that overrides everything. That's not in my list. Of course, you're going to be led by the Spirit. But sometimes you'll be listening to something, reading something, watching something on TV. Someone will be talking to you about this great new revelation they have. And, uh, and something on the inside of you will go, hmm, I'm not sure about that. Well, then how can you really... Uh, be wise and discern and judge to know whether that is true. Uh, number one is the obvious one. You probably know I'm going to say this, but does it contradict the written word? This is, the, this is just the primary right from the top. If it goes against a specific written scripture in the Bible, uh, write it off. Don't receive it. It's not right. It's not true. You, you can't make exceptions. Well, the Lord said in this time this is a special case because he's coming back soon. And no, no, he doesn't. Never, never, never do we receive anything. Many religions today would not be in existence if they would have taken what they thought or what their experience was, they were their, their supernatural encounter, wherever thing they say they had, if they'd have just judged it by the word, they would have said, no, that's a false spirit there. That's wrong. That goes contrary to the words of Jesus and the, and the word of God. And so it, it'll protect us a great deal if we will deal with that. And uh, we must study and listen to those with revelation. You see, uh, don't just listen and, and, and open your ears up to anyone and anything. Listen to people who have revelation knowledge because that will really help you in life. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we know the word of God is true. Someone, I just believe the Bible. I believe it's, it's the word of God. Well, fine, but it's got to be rightly divided. Listen, because you can take anything. For, for, for example, uh, you know, context is vital if we're going to understand the written word of God. Uh, I could say to you today, let me make two statements about myself. One, here we go, I am perfect. Perfect. I am absolutely perfect. Let me make another statement. I am far from perfect. Far from perfect. You know both of those statements are true. Both of those statements are absolutely true about me. How many understand it depends on what I'm talking about. Talking about my spirit that's been born again, that's been made alive in Christ. Perfect. Talking about the rest of me, far <laughs> from perfect. And we need to understand the context in which, which we say things. That's true concerning any Bible verse. Understand this. What covenant was it said in? Is this an Old Testament verse, a New Testament verse? We receive both, but we need to understand where they're coming from to understand whether uh, I'm receiving truth or being 
deceived in some way. We need to understand the context. Who, who, who is the author writing to? What about the verses before it? What about the verses after it? So many times we get comfortable and we quote scriptures. And we've got our favorite verse. But how many understand that's taken out of a paragraph? Taken out of a, you know, sometimes out of a sentence. Out of a paragraph. Out of a whole letter that was written. And if I'm going to understand truth, I've got to know what's contextually right. You know, when people sometimes want to judge spirits, as we're told, in, as the Apostle John said to you know, try the spirits. And, and one thing he said, uh, any spirit that says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh is not from God. And people want to judge everything by that. Well, the, did Jesus come in the flesh? You know, and, and uh, s- someone I know who had a, an experience and these, it, it was a demonic experience where they were manifesting. And, and, uh, and, and so they asked them that question, did Jesus come in the flesh? And the spirit said, yes. <laughs> didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> Well, because that, that, that's, that's only a question to, to counteract one particular lie. The book of John, uh, the epistle of John, was written for that reason. They were being deceived in specific ways. That's why we have many, many scriptures to counteract all the lies that, that come our way. Everybody with me today? I feel like I'm talking kind of fast, but uh, let's go on. Number two. <laughs> Number two, guidelines for discerning truth. Does it produce faith to overcome? Does it produce faith? to overcome you remember Romans 10 7, 17 says so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what the word of God really if someone is preaching the word of God in truth and they're accurately describing and, and teaching the word of God it's going to be a faith producer and it's going to give us faith to be victorious and to overcome God always wants to put something in us that makes us believe us believe that we can that we are going to overcome that we are going to conquer that we are going to win we're going to come out on the victory side and if I'm hearing something and every time I hear it it makes me feel like I'm weak and I'm I can't and I'm just no good I'm a waste of flesh I'm just a worm of the earth and you know I'm just I'm just a big nothing well that's not God that's a big red flag say woo this is not producing faith in me this does not make me believe that I can overcome that I will succeed that I'll do great things for God makes me feel like a a, a, a nothing Man, that's, that's just incorrect teaching then, all right? Does it produce faith in a person to overcome? Number three, number three, kind of the opposite of that, but does it condemn and bind? Does it condemn and bind? If someone is teaching and preaching supposedly from the Word of God, and it's just beating people up. You know, every time you leave church, you feel like someone socked you in the gut. Man, that was good, but man, that hurt. <laughs> and I don't mean we can't ever be challenged, but if we literally are going out of church feeling beat up and condemned, and man, I'm just a terrible person, and well, that's not the way the Lord is ministering to us. Uh, the, the the Bible tells us over in Romans chapter eight that that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, or it says who is he con- that condemns? Uh, Christ died for us, gave his life for us. And so just the opposite of condemnation is what God is saying and doing. He wants to empower, to lift you up, and to make you stronger, make you capable and able to do great things. All right? So does it condemn and bind? Number four, does it glorify Jesus? Does it glorify Jesus? Someone said, I got a new revelation, and God is speaking, and this is what the Lord is saying to the church today. And, and, and it's nothing about Jesus, and it's nothing about glorifying Him. Again, I have flags that go up saying, I don't know about this. Why do I say that? Because of John 16, 14, where Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, and He said, He will glorify me. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so if God is really in something, he's, he is really moving through something, it's going to be uh, focused around Jesus. He's the centerpiece of what God is saying and doing in the earth today. And I may have a great message. You know, I could talk about, uh, we could just talk naturally about goals and vision and that kind of stuff. Uh, 
and, and that might be helpful to a person, but understand that the Lord and the Holy Spirit is always going to bring a message back around to Jesus. You, you've ever heard someone who's got a passion about something, and it ends up always in the conversation? Just because it burns inside of them. Some, uh, I want, to, want you to understand the, the passion of God is that the world know Jesus. Amen. And we can deal with a lot of subjects and, and everything, but if it, if it ultimately isn't uh, lifting up the name of Jesus, then I, I think the Lord left the room. You know what I'm talking about? He just wasn't really involved in that message. Okay, number five. Number five, does it get people to look to man instead of God? Does this teaching, does it get people to look to man and rely upon man instead of God? And, uh, and, and this is something that I think we should be, a, we should be aware of. Uh, I think a lot of teaching... That's coming out in in modern times on TV and, and you know I'm talking about you know Christian programs uh, spend so much time talking about uh, diet and uh, exercise and those kind of things and, and and I'm not saying that stuff can never be talked about the Bible does mention a few things uh, about that and naturally speaking I don't have a problem with anyone studying that but if someone's in the name of the gospel putting all their emphasis and making a person put all their faith in their diet program I'm not, I just don't see Jesus doing that. He seemed to always point back to our faith in Him, right? Our, our, fa- our faith in God. And if my, if my life and my belief that I can be healthy and live long is completely based upon me taking care of myself and following a strict program, ultimately I have faith in me then that I'm going to live wrong. I don't, I don't, again, I'm not saying for people to be, uh, you know, to lack diligence in natural things, but our faith must be in Him. I know many people. Well, many, a handful I could think of, uh, who have been absolutely perfect as far as, you know, in as far as following the plans. You know, kept great health and did a lot of things naturally in their bodies and died young. All of a sudden, out of the blue, a heart attack or something comes up, a disease, and, and they were the prime specimen of taking care of their bodies. And I'm not saying a person shouldn't get, take care of their body. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm preaching and teaching here. I'm just saying ultimately what we ought to be saying ought to be uh, we need to trust God. Our faith ought to be in Him to sustain our lives and to, and, and to heal our bodies and to give us health. And uh, even when people talk about things like a prophetic ministry and how God speaks to a person and anoints the, the office of the prophet to, to bring words. Well, I ought not leave a teaching like that thinking I need to go find a prophet so I can get direction for my life. You see, if things are making us dependent upon man instead of dependent upon God, then it's, it's lacking uh, what the New Testament is really teaching. Okay, let's go on number, uh, number six. Number six, does it get people caught up in fruitless works? Does the teaching, does it get people caught up in fruitless works? In other words, a lot of activity. How many understand activity doesn't equal productivity? Sometimes people are busy like a bee, and they're doing all kinds of stuff and buzzing around and talking and doing all kinds of things, but nothing's happening. Nothing's getting done, and uh, I don't believe the Lord is into that. Well, we're just working hard. Nothing's happening. Nothing's working. Nothing's getting done, but we're sure working hard. Well, yippee you. I'd rather be productive. rather work smarter than harder, right? And, and when it comes to the God and the things that he's doing, you know, it's some examples of that, like I know at different times there have been uh, extremes in warfare teaching in the body of Christ where everything's warfare. I know... There was a time years ago people used to come to different churches in camouflage. And uh, if you wear camo, fine, but, you know, I can't see you anyway. Uh, but they come to church in camo, not because that was just their, the style or something, because they're coming ready to do war. 
they're coming to battle. I'm going to rip the devil's head off. And, and, uh, and anyway, but I've seen some of this, you know, where people in the past uh, do a whole lot of uh, warfare stuff where they're always trying to pull strongholds out of the sky, you know, territorial spirits and trying to, trying to pull these spirits out of the sky and, and, and doing all this battle and spending hours and hours and weeks and months in prayer. And when they're all done, hmm, you know, it's not different. The city is not just in revival. There's not, not, no big change. And I think, what's going on here? I'm questioning the doctrine. Not, I can examine it from the Word. But I'm questioning it just because I don't see fruit here. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I don't see, I don't see pr- productivity. All I see is a lot of activity. I see a lot of people doing stuff. How many know eventually you get tired of tired of all this if it doesn't work if you go to the gym and you work out hard for three months and you, at the end of that you're still in the same shape how many know you're not going anymore you're saying this is not working <laughs> this is not worth it i'm not going to do all spend all this energy if, if nothing's changing we got to have some things take place okay number seven number seven does it ignore other truths does it ignore other truths one truth pushed to an extreme can become false we got to watch out that we're not taking a truth and making it the truth. And this is where sometimes, again, someone might be presenting something, and it's right, and it's good, in its context, and in its proper place, but they make it, this is everything, man. This is what God is doing. Someone might take the subject of prayer. How many understand that's a good Bible subject? We ought to pray without ceasing. But sometimes people get to that place about prayer, and they say, well, prayer is everything. That's all we need to do is pray. Well, no, that's not all we need to do. Well, you just need to pray. No, you don't just need to pray. You need to pray. But you also need to obey. You also need to have faith. You need to give. You need to serve. You need to be faithful. You need to listen to the Lord. There's a lot of things that are a part of the Christian life. It's not all about one thing. And sometimes when someone gets on a tangent, and this is it, man. This is the message. Red flags, woo! I'm not sure if that's it. I'm sure that's probably part of it. But I don't want to take something good and true and push it so far that it eventually becomes a hindrance to me in my life because in doing that 100% of my time, I'm ignoring everything else that's a part of my relationship with God. Acts 20, 27 says, Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. We need a balanced approach. We've got to receive it all. Number eight. Number eight. Here's a good question. Did Jesus teach or practice it? Did Jesus teach or practice it? Sometimes people will proclaim something bold and loud and clear and say, this is what God is saying. This is what God is doing. And yet it's so far from what Jesus ever mentioned. You know, a, a, a relative of mine a number of months ago, we had this discussion online, and he's a minister and a different kind of church he's a saved person and a, a, a believer but has some really funky theology about some stuff and uh, i kept trying to get him to po- i kept po- pointing back to him i said when did jesus ever teach or say or do that well give me what what did jesus ever say that and he would never answer me he kept, kept quoting this other preacher he knew and i thought doesn't he recognize he's quoting this guy and i'm quoting jesus doesn't he see that i've got the upper hand here he didn't but I see that as a good judge uh, to know whether something is right. Is what it, if Jesus talked about that, what did he say? You know, it's like some people will say concerning healing. Well, sometimes God doesn't want you healed. Or maybe God wants you healed later. 
Okay, that sounds good, except if you examine Jesus' life and ministry and teaching, you'll never find that. Not once did he say or even imply that to any person. So what in the world business do I have today saying something like that if Jesus didn't say it and he was the master? People got to examine their theology. And doing it in light of Jesus is a good way to get it, get it tight, get it fixed up. Number nine, number nine, is it only found in the Old Testament? Is it only found in the Old Testament? I remember being in a meeting many years ago, and the preacher preached loud and strong and sweat and spit, and, and it was just, you know, uh, but every verse he used was in the Old Testament, and something on the inside of me thought, mm, I don't know about some of this. I mean, it's, some of it sounded pretty good, but some of it just didn't seem like it was full of life and grace and truth. And uh, how many understand we live in a different covenant? We'll use the Old Testament, but the new covenant is where we live. All right, and if all our doctrines come from the Old Testament, I think we're, we're, we're in error. All right, and then number 10, number 10, what kind of fruit does it produce? What kind of fruit does it produce? Ultimately, there should be in the wake of good, sound doctrine, there should be lives improving, lives changed, people growing, people being helped, not just a wake of, of injuries. Amen where people have given their lives to something, they've given all their money to something, they give all their energy and all their time to something, and all that they have is, as to show for it is they're broke, they're sick, they're depressed, they no longer have vision, they're just kind of not... Well, something being taught in that environment was just not true. It was just not right. And these are some things that we should be aware of. If there's a wake of trouble and problems, then there's a lack of something in there. And there's probably a lack of truth. Amen? Amen. The Lord wants to help us to be discerners of truth so we can recognize right from wrong. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this day. And I do pray for every person here now. I do pray that you would help them, help each and every one of us to walk in truth. Lord, to be able to discern and judge right from wrong. Lord, to be like those in the Berean church that studied daily, searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things are so. I pray that none in, none in our church, in our sphere of influence, would be gullible. But Lord, we'd be strong, quick to receive from You, but also take the time to analyze and judge. Lord, I believe that You're helping us. Your Spirit is in us to show us the way, to lead us and guide us into all the truth and thank you for it now in Jesus name Father I do pray as well for those today who have come to church but are not saved